Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. To all those who have lived and died alone To all those who have lived and died alone To all those who have lived and died alone CR listeners, you're tuning in to Queering the Air live today, broadcasting to you from the lands belonging to the Wurundjeri and Boon people. I'd like to pay my respects to elders past and present. So in the studio today, um, we've got myself, Tan Hung, um, and later on we'll be joined by Queering the Air's newest presenter, Taz, um, but I'll let them come in and introduce themselves when they come in. So on today's show, we have a couple of things. Um, mainly, we'll be taking a sneak into what the GLBTIQ community is up to in Hanoi, Vietnam. Uh, it's all very exciting. I was recently there for three weeks and, yeah, I've got a lot to report back on. Um, so today we'll be hearing from Zine Collective Hanoi Panic, as well as Tan Nguyen, who is the director of Queer Forever Festival, which is Hanoi's first queer festival. Very exciting. Um, so we're going to jump straight into it. Um, we're going to hear from uh, the Hanoi P- um, Panic Collective now, um, who consists of Nicki Minaj, um, uh, Mon- Mondana and Eddie Gaga. So can you tell us what Hanoi Panic is all about? Mon? <laughs> we are a zing. We are a queer positive zine based in Hanoi and a collective and a collective yep great um yeah Eddie? we are we are doing like I mean the zine is the main part and but I feel like we are uh doing more than that too like holding mm. events and starting a podcast soon as well really oh that's so exciting um can you tell me some of the events you've held or been a part of we were DJs at the Queer Disco for two months straight. 
Mm-hmm. And we were yeah. just involved with Asian Pride that was held at the American Club on the weekend. Great, yeah, and I'd love to talk about that um, a little bit later. Um, can you tell me how the the three of you met? Over to you again, Mon. <laughs> or shall I start? <laughs> Contributions from all. <laughs> yeah. I came later, so. Yeah. Through mutual friends. Mm-hmm. And we found out we had a lot in common, so we became very good friends. And then Nikki, tell, tell them how you met us. Well, uh, there is a Facebook group here in Hanoi called Hanoi Massive, and it has both expats and locals, and you can post there for advice. So my girlfriend was coming to visit uh, me uh, in a few weeks, and I live in a fairly conservative ex-military middle-class area of Hanoi, and I was, um, I guess, interested to find out what the current, what the take on same-sex relationships was in modern Hanoi. So I formulated this question, hoping so much that I wasn't going to get trolled when I posted it, and I posted asking, you know, my girlfriend's coming. No, I, didn't, I don't think I even said that. I just said, what is the take on same-sex relationships um, in modern-day Hanoi? Um, are people open about it? Um, anyway, I got a few responses which suggested to me what I had already thought, which was that it's basically a don't ask, don't tell policy around sex and sexuality in general. So um, that wasn't particularly surprising. But what was surprising and exciting was that Mon sent me a private message uh, asking or explaining what Hanoi Panic was about, what they aimed to do, uh, and would I be interested in coming on board. And so, so I guess my immediate response was, hell yes. <laughs> That's exactly what I've been looking for. Yeah. And so yeah. Um, so did you, did you put that just on Facebook and someone suggested Hanoi Panic and then Mon contacted you or...? Uh, no, uh, Mon just must have seen my post and mm. took a punt on me. Is that right, Mon? Yes, that's exactly right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it just worked out to be a really um, neat marriage because I'd worked on a lesbian positive zine back in Australia um, yeah. a few years ago and um, I guess combined with my interest in that and my interest in, I guess, just seeing some sort of visibility of a queer community in Hanoi, um, it was worked out really well. Yeah, and um, and I think yeah. I'm moving from strength to strength at the moment. I have to say that's pretty accurate, don't you think, guys? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so the three of you from different parts of the world, and I think it's it's really interesting how, um, yeah, you all ended up in Hanoi. Um, had you had either of you like lived there for a long time, or um, did you all come at different times? I'd be interested to know more about that. This is Mon. I've lived here for six years already, and I just fell in love with the city. It's my new hometown. Eddie? Um, and I've been here now almost two years. And um, yeah, I mean, it, it's just, Vietnam is a pretty like great place. It's growing so much. And especially in Hanoi, uh, just getting an opportunity to get involved with the LGBT community, which is really needed here. Like as opposed to places like Saigon or Ho Chi Minh where it's more developed. Um, so that's why I think, you know, being here and I mean, I'm happy here, but it's also, I feel it's like, it's a place that needs more LGBT visibility. So it's a great time to be here and get this thing going. 
and I'm, I'm the baby of the group. I've only been here three months, um, but I guess when I visited here around 18 months ago with my partner, who's Vietnamese-Australian, um, well, first generation, um, I just fell in love with the place at the time. I spent a couple of weeks here, and then I decided I really wanted to come back and spend a good chunk of time here. And so through various um, uh events, I guess, the opportunity arose a little bit sooner than I expected, and here I am, <laughs> and I love it, and I thought I would, so, yeah. The next thing I want to know is why, I mean, I know that your collective does a range of activities, but um, why the zine format? Like, why did you decide to start out with that? Because, honestly, that's what I grew up with in Philadelphia. I grew up as a punk kid, a gay punk kid who made zines, in Philadelphia and that's the only way I know how to start a movement and I've been influenced by the riot girl movement as well as the punk scene and there's so much potential here in Vietnam and Hanoi that no one is really taking a step forward and taking charge in that in this area we are the only people that are making zines here on our own so go with what you know is what i say yeah and i mean for me i you know i'm a journalist and i wanted originally i tried to get in touch with uh, a magazine here to uh to collaborate and start like an lgbt column and you know but uh the magazine was not really ready to be so pro LGBT at the time, and um, you know, I I remember my first experience, like grabbing a gay magazine and taking it home, and, and you know, when I wasn't even out of the closet, and how how that felt for me, and to help recreate that experience for someone else is something that you know inspired me to yeah to make it a print thing. Yeah, I think for me, um, the zine format appeals because it's, I guess, just giving an accessible voice and trying to start the conversation in a way that hopefully is kind of fun and engaging and not too intimidating. And I think that DIY component of it is just um, um, so appealing and important because we want other people ideally to to take up the challenge that we've put out and produce their own zines and, um, you know, really sort of start the dialogue. I think that's really what... From my brief start time here, it seems to be what, what the, and having also talked to local um, queer people as well, they're looking for that. They're looking for a, um, an avenue, a, me- a format, a medium to do that. So if we can help guide that in any way, then I think that's a really um, positive thing to do here. When I was with you last, Nicole, we t- you mentioned how, um, yeah, people really loved being able to share their stories and yeah, could you could you elaborate on that and the kind of stories you've come across and um, Mon and Eddie as well, like any stories in particular that have really stood out for you? Yeah. Mon and Eddie, maybe you start because you guys did most of the content for the for the issue too. Um, I think a story that keeps on like being repeated here is the LGBT community here are comfortable with themselves, uh, like but they're not really ready to come out to their families. Like they don't see it. They don't see that as a connection. You know, they don't make that connection of um, like, even though I'm comfortable with myself, I don't want to disappoint my family. So 
like, yes, I'm gay, but I'm not going to tell like my parents. And I feel like that's the story that um, that gets repeated a lot here. And it leads to so much sort of family, you know, intergenerational breakdown of communication um, and I guess isolation. Yeah. I guess that's what, that's and what, what about I've you, heard Mon? in the story so far is that feeling of isolation. Mm. Yeah. But it's kind of ironic because Vietnam is such a young country. Like most of the people here were born after the war and they're still trying to live up to the ideals of the past. But it's 2015, you know, time to move on, time to start accepting us. Yeah? Yeah. yeah. Um, and I, I the North is way more conservative than the South. Mm, really? Yeah. Um, can you yes. elaborate on those differences that you've seen? Well, in issue 2.5, we have one Vietnamese writer who wrote about gays in Hanoi versus gays in Saigon and told talked about the differences, like what Eddie mentioned. Yeah, like people in Saigon uh, are more independent, you know, like here... He was, I mean, he's a marketer too, and he says, you know, just like the way that they learn about people from Hanoi and Saigon, like people in Hanoi, if you go shopping for a shirt, they won't buy it unless like their friend says it looks good, you know, while like people in Saigon are a little bit more independent and they like it, they'll just buy it. But here people still really rely on like their neighbors, what their friends say. Peer pressure. Yeah. yeah they're sort of self-censoring. Yeah. Mm, or peer censoring. And I mean, even people who move here from Saigon um, comment on the big, I guess, culture shock that they experience, um, even though you might think that, okay, well, I'm Vietnamese, it's all the same. It's, um, you know, it's, it's market. It's really, um, from what I've heard, quite noticeable. So that's interesting to me. And I think it's mainly um, around the conservative family values or that kind of, um, you know, the links to family and the, the need to make a good marriage and produce, um, <laughs> you know, grandchildren, that's very, very strong here. And I'm not sure, I mean, I haven't spent a lot of time in Saigon, but I, I maybe that, that's not quite as strong there. Yeah, so um, the three of you recently participated in the Asian Pride Festival in Hanoi. Um, I'd love to hear more about your involvement there, as well as like what you see in the GLBTRQ movement in Hanoi at the moment. It was a fun event. A really fun event. We just had a table so we can sell our zines and give some zines away for free. And we were able to meet a lot of different people who were interested in what we were doing. Mm. And also to make connections with, um, you know, other LGBTIQ um, organizations, um, you know, working in Hanoi. And I think one of the really exciting outcomes from that is that, um, um, Antoine from the closet uh, is keen to, I guess, capitalize on those new networks and, um, you know, progress the LGBTIQ movement in some sort of coordinated fashion across those different groups. I mean, we all have diff slightly different um, um, priorities and objectives and, and media through which we want to deliver the message, but I think that that's a really exciting uh, development if we can sort of work in a more coordinated um, fashion towards common goals. Anyway, that's my take on it. 
Yeah. Do you see it um, that it's getting bigger every year? Definitely. Uh, I mean, last year I went to, well, well, now I guess I've been to probably two years in a row. Uh, but I mean, just like the amount of attendance, you know, from like just two years ago, it's like insane. You know, it was just like a few hundred people before and now we're like in the thousands of people. So, I mean, just like the growth of acceptance is just like skyrocketed. Mm. Um, because I mean, it is, it's barely, fairly new. This is like the fourth get pride that's happening next month. And so, I mean, it's, it's a fairly like new movement here and mm. yeah, it's growing definitely. Yeah. And I think, um, I guess then having, I think we need to be conscious that we don't necessarily want to just, you know, wholesale, uh, lift and transfer say European or U S pride movements, um, to Vietnam. I think it's really great that it's, um, seems to be, uh, tailored, I guess, towards the, what the local community needs. So for example, the theme of Asian pride this year was family, um, which is completely relevant to North Vietnam. <laughs> um, and I guess it was just, the idea was that we wanted to showcase um, different models of family, I guess, to, to, to in a gentle, again, accessible way. So I think that was a real success of the event. And um, I imagine that will continue on to Viet Pride next month. Yeah, that's really great to hear because often, um, yeah, being Vietnamese myself and living in Australia, like queer is often seen as something like it's a Western construct that's been um, that's been adopted by um, non-Westerners and I and I really feel like it isn't like that and that um, each culture has its own kind of like legacy and history and kind of like um, thriving cultures that just need to be revealed a bit more to to society. Yeah absolutely and I think having talked to people after the event they would they were really happy they thought it was a huge success and even after the um, there was an event maybe a month ago called Boo Boo Town and again that was held at the American Club um, that was, uh, I believe, largely organized by a group called I-C-I-S-E-E-E-E. Um, and you can look up their work. They're not solely an LGBTIQ um, um, group, but they have a branch that focuses on that. Um, and again, um, that's where I'm, I came into contact with um, a, a few um, uh, female-to-male transgender guys who I subsequently interviewed, and they were just raving about the opportunity to you know, meet other uh, Viet transgendered people or just even queer people in general because there just aren't that many opportunities here in Hanoi to do that and to really feel that sense of community and make those connections. So they were they were over the moon. They couldn't sort of stop um, <laughs> babbling about how great they thought it was. So I, I just think more of that. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Can I just bring something up? Yep. One of the Asian cities that both Eddie and I love so much is Bangkok because in Bangkok, there's a lot of things for LGBTIQ people to do and, and meet each other. Here in Hanoi, we only have one gay bar, and it's not that big. It's only it's a small bar, and it's really hard to meet people there because the music's so loud. <laughs> but here in Hanoi, we recently have a friend who is, transitioning from male into female and when she went to Thailand last month to get her hormones and and see the doctors about transitioning I reassured her that my people my Thai people are very nice 
and they really do understand that there is a third sex. And when she goes to Thailand, she'll be fine. And when she went to Thailand and came back and told us about her experience, she was so happy. So that's what we kind of want to do here in Hanoi. We want to make Hanoi like a little bit more like Bangkok. We want a gayborhood. We want, <coughs> what else do we want? Uh, yeah, just I mean, being a more inclusive placement. I mean, not, not like sex shows like Bangkok. But I mean, yeah, just to, I mean, here, an issue that was brought up um, with that is that in in Vietnam, they have the everything to have, like, to, um, they have the hormones here. They have, like, the places here for you to be able to get surgery and do what you need to do here. But it's against the law. And so even though the facilities are here, uh, you know, doctors are not able to do it. And so just to be able to, I mean, changing your name is impossible and changing your sex is even like, you know, a thing of dreams here. So just creating a more LGBT friendly space in, in general, like with laws as well. Yeah, um, but I guess within a Hanoian cultural context, because otherwise it just won't fly. <laughs> mm, yeah. Um, so can you tell us about your upcoming issue, um, edition of Hanoi Panic, and what readers might expect to see from that? Issue number three is transgender. And um, we have, like I said, our recent team member, uh, Hamin, who is transitioning, is a big part of her documenting her life uh, as she transitions, uh, as well as uh, we recently interviewed an older uh, woman, she's 65 years old and has been living here in Hanoi for quite, also quite some time and just her experience as an older trans person. Uh, and I know Nikki has some interviews, right? Mm -hmm. I have uh, I've interviewed um, a trio of, of uh, trans men um, and uh, yeah, that was um, really educational for me as well, which I guess is part of, you know, I obviously have a vested interest in, in learning more. I'm, I'm sort of chronically curious. So um, I think that's going to be really um, a, a, a good uh, interview to have in there. And of course, also to get away from the, uh, the gender binary <laughs> issues. Um, we also have uh, an interview with um, um, a lovely person from Melbourne. <laughs> and we've got a little bit of, I guess, the gender fluid in there because I guess we want to um, help raise awareness that it's not necessary to make a choice between the gender binary. And I think potentially that's a message that is would be quite new to the LGBTIQ community um, in Hanoi. Yeah, that sounds really great. Um, so when is so that issue due out? Uh, end of the month of... Uh, July because we want to release it for Viet Pride and Viet Pride is starts on July 31st it's that whole weekend like July 31st uh, through the 2nd of August yeah I think so too yeah um, and we've actually just been invited to speak at the opening event um, with um, on the topic of I guess the expat involvement with the local LGBTIQ uh, movement and community um, and I guess um, we're looking forward I guess to to um, showcasing what we hope to do and also clarifying that, you know, we're not here to impose a particular queer culture from, say, our home country because we think that's completely inappropriate. 
We just want to help start a dialogue and facilitate where we can with the resources that we have. Would that be a fair thing to say, Guy? <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. And the, the local the Viet Pride um, organizing committee are really supportive of the work that we're doing. So we're really pleased to get that kind of feedback. Yeah, a big thing for us is, you know, is collaborating and being open to like, we want, we don't want to like ostracize ourselves from everybody. And, you know, like there's a, there's so many like things going on here and uh, something that I hear a lot too is like how some NGOs are not really keen on communicating and like working with each other. And that's something that I, I don't want us to like go through. Like I, you know, I feel like we're all, have the same goal and uh, you know if we can all help each other get there I think you know, it'll make it easier and better for everybody. Do you have any last things that you want to say before we conclude the interview? Keep calm and hug a queer. <laughs> I think Eddie's big thing is you know he finds storytelling is such an important way to, to create social change or, or the impetus so I think long may we continue. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, and I just want to add, um, yeah, if anyone's interested in sharing stories, uh, you can find us on Facebook under Hanoi Panic um, or Hanoi Panic at Gmail. So contact us because we're always also looking for submissions or ways, you know, for artwork. Yeah, artwork, photography, any way of telling a story, I guess. Great. We also have a group on Facebook, Hanoi Panic group. Yeah, so Facebook and no panic. And so we've been chatting with Mon, Eddie and Nicole from um, Hanoi Panic. Thank you for joining us today. Hi, I'm Tristan Taramino and you're listening to Queering the Air on 3CR. That's right, listeners. You're listening to Queering the Air on 3CR Community Radio, 855am. And I'm your host, Tan Hung, in the studio today. So we just heard from the Hanoi Panic Crew, um, consisting of Nicki Minaj, Mon Donna and Eddie Gaga. It was really great to hear their thoughts and meet them as well. Um, in person, I only got to meet uh, Eddie and uh, Nikki. Um so that was really great and yeah hopefully when i go back in december i'll get to meet mon as well and it seems like they're doing really great work so if you want to support them please check out their facebook um, website and you can just search hanoi panic um, also support their zines as well um, they don't have it available online but i'm sure if you ask them they might be able to send you a copy um, i've got a copy in my hands right now um, hanoi panic's um, latest edition which is issue two called You Are Not Alone and that's in English and Vietnamese which is really wonderful and really fitting I think for um, the audience in Hanoi. Also I want to mention that I did a giveaway on Wednesday uh, for the the latest edition of Hanoi Panic. I brought back a couple of copies and the winners um, of of two two of the zines that I gave away was uh, Tishan Tea Cake and um, and Yoshi Kwaja. So congratulations to both of them. I'll be mailing out your copies soon. So uh, I forgot to announce the song that I played earlier today, and I'm just going to be playing songs by this amazing queer person of colour named Shamir. Uh, the song I played earlier, just before we started the show, was called um, Lived and Died Alone, and that's a cover of Lindy Ortega's song.
The next song I'm going to play is called Sometimes Men. Why Gender is a group for trans and genderqueer questioning young people and friends. Why Gender runs social events and have monthly meetings in the city. Check us out on Facebook or see ygender.com for more info. Ygender.com. Hi, 3CR listeners. You're listening to Queering the Out on 3CR Community Radio. Um, so on today's show, we've been covering... Um, some interviews that I've covered in uh, Hanoi in Vietnam and we're going to hear another one now so just before we do that the song that we just heard was Sometimes a Man by Shamir so definitely check that person out. So the next interview we're going to hear is uh, an interview I did with the Queer Forever uh, Festival director Tan Wing so just stay tuned for that. So my name is Tang Nguyen. I'm a member of Nyasan Collective. Uh, it's a group of independent artists based in Hanoi. And I'm a founder and a head of Queer Forever Festival. So firstly, can you tell me about um, Queer Forever Festival? It was uh, very simple. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, in 2013, uh, we managed to uh, ran a corner a space uh, in an ab- abandoned uh, factory in Hanoi. Uh, it, w- it goes online the whole the whole site. Mm. So uh, when we uh, had a, our own new physical space, uh, we thought about making a different project. And one of the projects that I wanted to do with uh, Feng Ling is uh, uh, the artistic um, the director of Nyasan Collective is is, uh, a project related to uh, gay issues and uh, from the beginning we didn't know exactly what we wanted to do we just wanted to do something related to that issues so I started to um, do some sort of research and uh, look around uh, and uh, I found for example uh, in Poland there's uh, also a festival and it's called Pomada it's a and uh, I think that the, the form that they made is very serious. Actually, I, from the beginning, we, I, know that, I knew that uh, we wanted to do different uh, stuff for the project, uh, like uh, talk, like discussions in exhibition, and uh, we would love to have different people from different uh, fields. Uh, like social sciences and or uh, activism or not only just artists to uh, to, to participate so so uh, and then also I uh, came across the queer theories and uh, I found it uh, very very interesting and, and uh, sort of like something that fit fit, fit us uh, fit me so I found a lot of like artists who have friends and uh, one of the artists is uh, made uh, artwork. It's called Forever Buttons, mm-hmm. <laughs> and then uh, we decided. I decided that we we will make the festival with a queer word in it. I found that the queer word is uh, much uh, better in a way, much more better for us to to uh, to do the fest with with the festival. Yeah. Yep. Can you tell me about how it was received in 2013? Is that mm. the first year? Yeah. 
Yeah, and uh, actually the, it was made in a hurry, in a very much hurry because of the funding issues. And mm. I went to um, see somebody who, uh, is uh, called CSIP, it's a center for, um, I don't remember the exact name, but it's a center for like uh, health and uh, something related to uh, LGBT issues. And, yeah. um, and then they really liked the idea of, mm. uh, of queer as a taking queer perspective to look at different issues in culture, in art, that we might not realize when we don't take that uh, queer perspective. Mm. And they were interested in uh, um, the discussion program uh, that we, we would discuss about, discuss about the social construction of sex uh, and gender and, and, and queerness. Mm. And uh, so, um, and then uh, I, we applied for CDIF, uh, funding for the exhibition part, so the both, uh, the, so we got the the grant for the exhibition. It's quite was quite late, so it was uh, the the festival was made in such a hurry. But I, I think that the receive the the receive was such a surprise because uh, uh, we did like two opening. When the yeah. first opening in Goethe Institute, it was full of people, and then the the second opening is the exhibition in Zona. It was also a lot of people came. And uh, also the discussion was uh, filled with the with people as well. We did also one screening, and uh, the interesting thing that is uh, people ask a lot of questions, which is uh, a nice thing as well. So uh, be I think that because uh, maybe maybe uh, because the this is the first time that the queer word is used in a wider context mm -hmm. that. The queer words was uh, mentioned before within the academic and and uh, social sciences and maybe activism, but was never put into a context of you know art culture and and mm. activism, and and it was uh, because we did also a promotion uh, sort of promotion campaign to put it into Facebook and, and uh, press information and, and, and websites. Maybe that, that's why people were curious about what is queer and... Mm. and uh, yeah. Attracted to the yeah, event. To yeah. The event. Yeah. yeah, so, um, yeah, when we talk about queer in the context of Vietnam, do you think that GLBT has been more widely adopted? Yes, yes, yeah. yes, of course, yeah. Um, the term, I think the term uh, LGBT, mm. uh, was uh, adopted in the 90s mm. um, be it, it, because this is in English and um, yeah. and it was it came with the uh, NGOs that mm. work in the field of health and uh, HIV and AIDS prevention and, and uh, LGBT rights mm. equality yeah 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 so the and the queer also is a, is an English word and we um, we put it like queer just and we didn't really uh, explain it uh, a lot mm -hmm. so we, we we wanted to make it like uh, an open term so that people can discuss and can decide and, and can choose whatever people like to use is something worrying you need someone to talk to having trouble at work or at home Call WIRE Women's Information on 1300 134 130, Monday to Friday, 9am to 5pm. Talk to a woman who cares 
It's free and confidential Victoria-wide. You can talk to us about anything. You can also talk to us in your own language through our telephone interpreter service. So call WIRE on 1300 134 130 or visit wire.org.au. WIRE is a 3CR supporter. Something worrying you? Need someone to talk to? Having trouble at work or at home? Call WIRE Women's Information on 1300 134 130 Monday to Friday 9am to 5pm. Talk to a woman who cares. It's free and confidential Victoria-wide. You can talk to us about anything. You can also talk to us in your own language through our telephone interpreter service. So call WIRE on 1300 134 130 or visit wire.org.au. WIRE is a 3CR supporter. Panoply, panorama, panpipe, pansy, aha, pansexual. Knowing no boundaries of sex or gender. Sound interesting? Then join Sally on Sundays at noon for Out of the Pan. All those gender questions making you think too hard? Whether it's transgender, bisexual, polyamorous or beyond, we'll throw those questions into the pan and cook up the answers for you. So go on, push that gender envelope only on 3CR 855am digital and 3cr.org.au. Hello 3CR listeners, you're listening to Queering the Air on 3CR Community Radio 855am and you're in the studio today with myself, Tan Hung. So today we've been hearing some interviews um, that, I connect, uh, that I collected up in Hanoi in Vietnam, um, just a sneak preview of what the GLBTR community is up to up there. Um, and the song that we just heard is um, I'll Never Be Able to Love by Shamir. So... Um, I just want to say that today is the, the 28th of June and I wanted to mention that um, 46 years ago today the Stonewall riots happened in New York City marking today as Pride Day. Um, and on Friday, just that Friday that just passed on the 26th of June, the Supreme Court in the US day, USA declared that same-sex marriage be legalised nationwide. I just want to add um, my little bit of critique on it. So... Uh, so here are some of my thoughts on on the whole the whole thing. I've been noticing that lots of newsfeed has become been coming through on my social media, um, but I just want to say that um, 
As marriage equality or as same-sex marriage begins to saturate media platforms yesterday, and I believe that it will continue to do so for the next few days, it is important to remind people that the legislation passed in the USA is not a victory for all LGBTIQ people. In fact, I feel like it has a high cost for trans and gender diverse people of colour. Given the current escalation in black deaths in America, not to mention the death of black trans people, passing the legislation on marriage equality is certainly questionable at this time. The amount of media attention that has been celebrating this victory, I worry, will mask the greater urgencies for the GLBTIQ movement, such as ending racial violence, ending the prison industrial complex, and ending deportations of migrants. Also, knowing that the USA continues to be a superpower in global politics, I feel that this may influence the direction of global GLBTIQ movements, and I wonder what kind of effect it will have on GLBTIQ politics in Australia. Because here in Australia, we need to remember the forced closures of Aboriginal communities in WA is part of Australia's ongoing racist and colonial project that refugees continue to be denied their rights to seek asylum and that queer and trans people of colour face racial violence and police harassment, to name a few. So I think these are really important things to consider um, when we think of the victory that has so-called been claimed in the last few days for the GLBTIQ movement. Um, and I also think it's really important to, to remember that, that the USA is still a superpower um, and it's really important that um, we not get too consumed by the kind of media attention um, that's been happening in, in the States regarding this issue in, in terms of our own politics and remembering that, um, that there needs to be a kind of localization of these issues in, in every country. Um, like I was in Vietnam recently and my friend and I were talking about how a lot of NGOs are funded by donors from outside of Vietnam and, and they do push for um, same-sex marriage as as an agenda to, to fight for the GLBT movement to fight for. And I, I think, um, I just wonder what the, the consequences of that is um, when we have that kind of global agenda for um, GLBTIQ movement. So that's just something to think about. And um, I'd now like to read out an excerpt that I found on Dark Matters Facebook page. And the following excerpt is in response to the win for same-sex marriage. So this is point five that I saw on their Facebook page, which you can look up. Um, they're called Dark Matter and they're an amazing um, trans uh, South, South Asian duo, um, spoken word artists. So the point goes, we aren't fighting for more rights. We are fighting for abolition. This is a very different political strategy. We don't want more freedoms. We want to be free from violence. We aren't fighting for equality and love. We're fighting for economic justice and liberation. We aren't fighting for representation. We are fighting for revolution. So leaving you on that thought, um, I'd like to plug an event that Queering the Air is hosting this Wednesday. So it's um, we're hosting a film screening and this week's film screening will be a Vietnamese film called The Lady Assassin. It uh, should be lots of fun. It will be on at 7pm at Loop Bar, um, just off Burke Street in Melbourne CBD. Um, and just a little bit about The Lady Assassin. So I haven't seen it myself, but judging from the trailer, it's it's all about like pretty girls with swords flying through the air. So um, 
if you're keen on seeing something fun, then come down to the city on Wednesday, this Wednesday night. Um, and yeah, please. And it will be $10 entry. So hope to see you there. Um, so that's it today for Queering the Air. And tune in next week, same time, 3 to 4 p.m. Um, to hear more of um, gossip from Queering the Air. Thank you. <laughs>